Hi, I'm Case Lowe, co-host of the Open the Voice Gate podcast. The one question I'm constantly asked when it comes to Dragon Gate is how do I get into the promotion? Well, stop asking and start listening to the Open the Voice Gate podcast released every Wednesday on the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. For exclusive news and show reviews, look no further than the leader in Dragon Gate coverage, Open the Voice Gate. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Super J Cost. I'm Joel, joined by David. It is Saturday, the 1st of July, 2023. This is episode 264. Uh, I'm going to open up with a question from friend of the show and co-host of The Good, The Bad and The Hungry, which is the Voices of Wrestling, all elite wrestling-centric podcast, which I was very lucky to appear on last week. I had a great time talking to Tyler and Fred there. And Tyler has a question for you, Dave. Oh. He says, okay. was The Cure worth missing Forbidden Door? Yes. <laughs> yes it was um it was great they were they were they were awesome they, um yeah you know, one of my favorite bands of all time so uh seeing them what i mean nobody's said anything official but everybody's getting up there in age so who, who knows uh but yeah he sounded strong the voice sounded strong i mean he does have that very distinctive vocal style but everything sounded great uh, yeah, it was fun. It was a, a nice little pilgrimage, but unfortunately now I get that. I don't know if I've explained it on the show, but I know I explained it to, to Joel that I get after events that make me very happy. I get very, uh, down the downward spiral. <laughs> so yeah, the come down, I think yep. that's pretty normal after a big, exciting event. I think we all go through that to some extent, I guess. Yeah. But I think it, yeah, I kind of go deep. I go deep with it. I like to go in a deep end of the pool with my depressions. Uh, so yeah, that's 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 the answer. It was great. It was great. And yes, uh, from what I saw, and obviously we're going to get into it. Um, I'm glad I made the decision I made. Let's put it that way. Sorry, I thought you were going to talk longer, <laughs> no. so I'd actually got out of bed. To I was a bit too cold, so I went to adjust the air conditioning. So. <laughs> yeah, sorry, sorry about the dead air. That's staying in, you know. That's going to be great. <laughs> yeah, someone someone's going to edit that into a best of the Super J cast montage at some point. Joel, Joel's chilly. Telling the grandkids about that. Hey, do you remember the time when Joel was slightly too cold and <laughs> there was three seconds of dead air? What a moment! <laughs> Uh, this is the best, the best, the best, the best a man can get. All right. Um, so that's that. Um, we got a show to talk about, don't we? Or or not? We have. Okay. No, we do. I mean, it's it feels like a, a while since we last spoke. It was the uh, what was it? The TSN thing that we did. Yes. Um, so yeah, I'm excited to be talking to you again, and I've got an exciting update for you. Oh. And our listeners, this is the update on the what is now being called the annual Barriaga Masafa fundraiser for the children. So okay. this is our 
Discord user Barriaga, who has subjected himself to cinematic torture by repeatedly watching The Flash in exchange for uh, donations to the Ali Forney Center for Homeless LGBTQ plus youth. So an update for that. He has managed to, well, he, I mean, he's been leading the charge, so full credit to him, but from donations from listeners, and I think most of them come from the Shinihon Freaks in the Discord, 1189 US dollars, nice. which is fantastic. And that means he has to watch The Flash four times, including once as a dinner date with his new romantic partner. So Ooh. that relationship is uh, doomed to failure <laughs> from the offs, which is great news for us <laughs> so if you want to contribute like we don't i don't know if there are any other stretch goals with this but um we can certainly think of some and put him through some more torture for coming up with this great fundraiser yeah. uh, so you can go to www.alifornycenter.org forward slash donate and throw a tweet at us to suggest something awful that he has to do uh, in exchange for that money yeah i mean there's plenty of terrible pro they can watch the best of madonna engage <laughs> that would be that would be torture enough. Oh, my Lord. That's good. Oh, man, uh, a good way to step up Discord. I like that. Good job. Uh, everybody putting their their uh, money where their mouth is. I like that. I like that a lot. Great job. All right. Well, there is one very, very big and spicy news story that everyone's talking about. Oh. I'm sure you've seen it, Damon. So this is a, a tweet from New Japan that went out yesterday that says, in recognition of their quick ascension in the ranks of New Japan Pro Wrestling and desire to lead a new generation within NJPW, Shota Umino, Ren Narita and Yotosuji will be collectively known as the Reiwa Three Musketeers. Oh. So that is the tweet. Um, in response to that, Shota has rejected it. He says it's disrespectful to the original Musketeers. Um, I mean, the New Japan Musketeers, not the Alexandre Dumas uh, <laughs> Musketeers. But he's also acknowledged that there is a need for a paradigm shift. Uh, Yotosuji rejected it as well and says that he's on a completely different level to, uh, and I quote, Moxley's Shinbiter and Shibata's Imitation Bastard. Wow. Which is an amazing quote. We're going to be referring to Ren Narita as Shibata's Imitation Bastard uh, henceforth. Uh, he says that Great Okan can have his spot in the Musketeers because he doesn't want it. Uh, Ren says that he never agreed to it and wasn't consulted. Uh, Shota's fired back at Suji and said that Suji's riding on the coattails of LIJ. He hasn't achieved anything apart from losing to Sanada, called him Big Mouth de Hapon. Uh, lots of other wrestlers have been tweeting angrily about it. Damon, your thoughts, please. Well, I mean, well, here's, the, well, here's what they did with one tweet is set up a pretty uh, substantial cross-section of feuds and uh, stuff to fight over. Um, I don't know if that was their intent or not, but uh, there we have it, which I think is good, right, to have a, a motivation to kind of pick a side, so to speak. In the same breath, though, uh, wow, way to, way, way to put some additional pressure on some young <laughs> wrestlers just trying to make their way in the business. Um, that seems like, um, I don't want to say you're putting the the horse before the cart or the cart before the horse. Which one is it? One of those two. You're putting something in front of something else that shouldn't be put there. Uh, it's That really rolls off the tongue. Doesn't it? <laughs> it 
English is my first language, by the way. I I just want to make sure that's clear to everyone. Um, That's a lot of that's 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 a lot of pressure uh, to live up to to those lofty standards. But I mean, I don't think it's any secret that they're the guys that are going to be leading the charge into the future, right? Um, I guess putting a label on it makes it a little bit more daunting, I guess. So uh, while I think it's uh, – I, I, I think everybody knew that that was going to be the case. Uh, I don't think anyone was expecting the fact that the company would tweet out uh, an, an official uh, declaration that these are our guys for the future. Well – I mean, I, I think we need to take this all the way back to the essence of storytelling, of you know, crafting a, a compelling narrative. And most good stories, they do start with uh, an inciting incident that sets up the conflict between the characters. And each of those characters have got their own motivations, you know, whether that's something like King Lear announcing his uh, inheritance plans or, or uh, King Robert Baratheon's death in A Game of Thrones or you know, something contemporary like Logan Roy, his succession plans. Right, so you have a storyteller who deliberately creates conflict to craft a, a dramatic narrative. Okay, so it's like what you said before. So, you know, when King Lear decides to leave everything to his two uh, deceitful daughters and nothing to the honest daughter, I'm not sure we would have had uh, 17th century theatre goers wagging their fingers at Shakespeare saying, <laughs> oh, shit, move, Bill. This is going to put way too much on uh, Goneril and Reagan. You've completely overlooked Cordelia. I, I think they appreciated that they were being told a story and this exciting incident would uh, uh, ruffle the feathers of the characters and, uh, you know, begin an exciting tale full of fighting and, and backstabbing and power struggles. So when that tweet went out, uh, pretty much the entire roster of New Japan wrestlers started burying it and arguing and taking shots at each other. Like, they are supposed to fight each other. That's why we're watching. Right. Uh, and I apologize to the listeners who do understand the fundamental concepts of, uh, of fiction and the basics of professional wrestling. But it, it seems this went over a lot of people's heads because I have actual humans on Twitter asking me if the announcement has backfired on New Japan. I, I'm not making this up. Absolute clown infrastructure going on around me. Uh, yeah, let me spell it out for the smooth brains. They are deliberately doing something controversial to incite conflict. They've done it before. They remember what happened when they did it the, the last time with Tanahashi and Nakamura and Shibata. And they liked it when they were all fighting about it because then people bought tickets to watch them fight about it. Right. And then they got money because of that. And they like money. They enjoy exchanging the money for goods and services. <laughs> so exactly like you said, Damon, right? One tweet in Storyline, they've pissed off the, the dads, they've pissed off the anointed Ray or Musketeers themselves. They've pissed off the other wrestlers of that generation who are not anointed. And they've also pissed off the class of young lines below them. They've pissed off the Yellow Dojo guys. This is not an accident. This is uh, the, the kickoff point for the next decade of feuds, like you said. And, and I think part of the problem here is that American wrestling, yet again, has poisoned the world because... You know, Tony Khan anointed his four pillars a couple of years ago, but did that completely at face value. And now a lot of viewers are, uh, I think, unable to tell the difference between Tony Khan saying, 
these four guys are the future of my company in a, a rather ham-fisted manner. And what I think is New Japan deliberately throwing a grenade through the window of the fireworks factory. Right. Right. Most New Japan, Andrew said this on the Discord, most New Japan tweets have got about 25,000 to 100,000 impressions. This tweet yesterday about the Three Musketeers got 5 million impressions. Right. And uh, let's give full credit to Dragon Gate for coming up with the idea of uh, anointing a, a generational group of wrestlers because it's actually never been done before. And uh, who knows what else New Japan have been stealing because they also suspiciously have uh, professional wrestlers battling each other for championships. Uh-oh. Is that a coincidence? Mm. Who's to say? I'm just asking questions, Damon. <laughs> now, my, my first reaction to seeing this uh, Rewa Musketeers announcement was, oh, great. This is setting the table for the massive Uemura comeback and you know, that this is the guy who's been publicly complaining about New Japan, not booking him for months uh, in, in tweets to other New Japan contracted wrestlers, right? Let's be clear. He, that's on purpose. He's also a professional wrestler who tells stories of conflict to make us want to watch him. So, you know, he can come back somewhere down the line with a massive chip on his shoulder, angry at New Japan for overlooking him, burying the Raywood Musketeers for being frauds, and they can all argue over that and wrestle each other for the next 10 years and, and make lots of money. And funnily enough, Tokyo Sports, who basically the kayfabe voice of New Japan, were also asking, what about Yuya? Which makes you think. Mm. Let me reassure people, the company have not forgotten about Yuya. Uh, him being given a send-off singles match against Okada and You'll all remember he drop kicked him on the way out. That wasn't a random accident, okay? The very next match on that show, this was a Summer Struggle 2021, August the 1st. That was Yotosuji's send-off match against Tetsuya Naito. And that one looks like it's turning out all right. Because here's the great thing. New Japan can choose who wrestles whom. Yeah. Uh, Yuya probably remembers that drop kick. There'll probably be some kind of professional wrestling storyline which builds on that. I mean... There's the possibility. Maybe I'm just fantasy booking here. Maybe Yuya Uemura has indeed decided that actually, no, he doesn't want to be the next ace of New Japan. He, he really loves eating pizza. He loves working for Impact and <laughs> reaping all the, the gold, the fortune, the riches that entails. And and yeah, like New Japan letting their future star of the next decade just you know pull the plug on his excursion and work full-time for their uh, uh, subordinate US partner promotion could be an actual real thing that actually really happens mm. that people believe is an actual real event many such cases uh, we've we got Gabe Kids. he's a very vocal critic of this declaration he says he's been main eventing before any of those three bitches David hey. uh, Damon yep. Damon yep. he's in the same G1 Climax block as them ah, say what what a coincidence <laughs> I know, right? And I know, right, as a New Japan fan, I hold my hands up. I say, I, we, I often do the heavy lifting for these narratives and, and project things on them and fantasy books. So, yeah, there is a chance that New Japan just made this Three Musketeers announcement and expected all the wrestlers to say, yeah, cool, this is great. Good luck to those three lads, uh, which backfired horribly. And, and them all being in the same G1 block with the other angry people is a complete coincidence. I, I guess we'll have to wait and see. David, why are people so fucking thick? <laughs> yeah, it does. Um, I don't envy you. <laughs> Let's put it that way. I, have, I feel in my life I've done a great job of keeping a nice distance between me and that because I would be jumping out a window. Yeah, I mean, trust me, I don't think somebody went rogue on uh, New Japan's Twitter account and decided to just tweet that. I don't think that there was like a rogue 
marketing meeting saying, hey, you know what would be a great idea? Let's send out this tweet unbeknownst to anyone else in the company. Like, oh, no, they don't like it. They're all arguing. They're fighting. <laughs> oh, God, what have we done? I, right. Um, Pro wrestling is supposed to be about friendship and support and yes. loving each other. Yes. Yes. Of course it is. But right. But here we are. Here we are. Uh, well, here you are, because I, I'm, I'm very fortunate in the fact that I am not privy to any of that. Because, yeah, it's it is amazing. It's amazing what people get into and watch and become passionate about, and yet really have no fucking idea what the hell they're looking at. Uh, it's, it's it's you know, and it goes both ways. It goes both ways. You know, um, I was fortunate enough, speaking of uh, smooth brain takes, uh, I was fortunate enough to catch wind of a a person who we said we would never talk about anymore on this show. Uh, And that was... Oh, God, you're not going to be talking about Kota Ibushi going to Glate, are you? (laughs) No, no. I heard a review. I heard a review of uh, Forbidden Door, and I just wanted to put my hands in my head and just say, wow, you probably shouldn't be reviewing something you know nothing about, <laughs> like, like absolute nothing, uh, just because you're a uh, jazz connoisseur doesn't mean you should be commenting about country music, just Stay in your fucking lane. Hoo-wee. I'm talking about you-know-who, Joel. It was a absolute fucking laughable uh, rundown of Forbidden Door. Uh, and New Japan in general. Just, it was, it, was, it was nearly embarrassing listening to this review. But, listen, all the smart people, all the people in the know, all the people... That know where it's at. You have, you have a safe space right here because we're going to give you the goods for somebody from people who actually watch the product. <laughs> so, so uh, here you go. The, the, here's here's where we are. I never thought I would say thank you to Elon Musk, but I've been locked out of Twitter because it says uh, I have exceeded my rate limit so thank you elon for saving me from (laughs) absolute hellhole there so uh there we go good guy elon musk top bloke uh right he says with the new musketeers announced do you think it's a shoot or work do they tell the wrestlers before the announcement and antonio uh the first of his many many questions says my first question is this focus on the new raywell musketeers thing do you guys think revive njpw to where it was during elite to where is something is more hotter or it will stay like now forever, kind of how Tanahashi, Nakamura, etc. help revive NJPW from Inokiism days. Um, look, I don't think it matters. I think them actually putting the label on Suji and Umino and Narita is besides the point, really. It's not the fact that they've said these are the three musketeers. I think it's about the effect it's going to have on the entire roster and like, like I said, the next 10 years of storytelling. So I think if you're just focusing on those three wrestlers, you're kind of missing the point. Right. Like a, a thousand percent. 
once again. It's it. Um, and here's the thing too. This, quite honestly, is either going to be completely meaningless to a Western audience, or it will be the uh, hopefully the resurgence of New Japan Pro Wrestling in the West. Right. I'm leaning more toward, I don't think it's going to matter one bit, (laughs) that announcement, to New Japan fans across the world, except maybe Japan, right? Like, this announcement is not going to now have New Japan Pro Wrestling selling out MetLife Stadium, okay? This is not what we're talking about. Now, could this be part of a very long-term storyline in which these gentlemen and uh, all the future stars uh, of New Japan Pro Wrestling that will lead us into the future, will this be a catalyst to help take off, relaunch? Possibly. I think I think it's a safe assumption, Joel, that this is where New Japan Pro Wrestling are putting their chips. Will it work or not? We don't know. Let's see. Let's see what happens. Uh, But these are the guys, and again, it's no secret, these are the guys that moving forward, the company is leaning on to be those stars. Um, And I think we're, we're, it's a wait and see kind of thing. Because we are in the absolute infancy of of their growth uh, and their contributions to the company. When they start headlining bigger shows, when they start being the the true focal point and major championships are won based off of this little announcement, um, then we'll see. How does it impact business? How does it impact interest? How does it impact sales? How does it impact subscriptions? All of that. Right is still. How does it impact impact? Ah, exactly right. Uh, that these are all things yet to be determined. So there you go. Do you reckon they gave the rest as a heads up before they sent that? Mm-hmm. They were just like, okay, we're going to send this out, riff on it, you know, respond to it, because the the way that so many of their wrestlers were immediately replying to it and quote retweeting it did make me think that maybe that could have been the case. maybe but i will say this new japan does not have the best reputation of communicating those type of things to their wrestlers i can't tell you how many times i've talked to people working not only within the company but uh you know maybe we'll call them freelancers where they they literally show up and have no idea what the fuck's going on uh, now, I, I love the idea of like Suji just checking his phone. Like, I'm a what now? <laughs> right. I, trust me, I would not be surprised if that were the case. Um, I would hope that there was some uh, clue as to that coming out. But if if you told me that none of the wrestlers had any fucking idea this was happening, uh, I I wouldn't have a hard time believing you. Let's put it now. I would like your thoughts on Yuya. Uh, Pommy Wrestling says, do you think Yuya Uemura returning to Japan before next year's Wrestle Kingdom? And if so, who would you have him face in his first singles match? Do you think Uemura is returning at all, Damon? 
Yes. Yes. Um, Before Wrestle Kingdom? I would say probably. I'll give you a probably. Um, Because he's been on excursion. Like, he went off excursion at the same time as Suji. Mm -hmm. And from what I hear from Garrett Kidney, who is like the premier authority on impact wrestling he's having a really good really solid excursion doing pretty much everything that you'd want from an excursion there you know wrestling different kinds of matches different lengths of matches against different people so all boxes tick there in terms of what you'd expect from an excursion but again he has very deliberately been kept away from this sort of uh tinderbox mm-hmm. of guys arguing and fighting and, and particularly for this g1 climax and this a block so that's not for nothing, as you would say, Damon. They're keeping him separate from all that with what I believe is an intention to debut him later to be able to look upon the wreckage of that and you know be the, the proverbial feast for crows. So I don't know when that will be. I would love to see it before Wrestle Kingdom. I would love to see it in front of a, a, a noisy crowd, you know, hot event, hot venue, maybe uh, the, the Destruction Show at um, Sumo Hall, the one that used to be King of Pro Wrestling, or maybe Power Struggle at the Edion Arena in Osaka. That's usually a, a very noisy crowd. So I would think something like that. And, and it's hard for me to look past uh, Okada being in, in the mix somewhere, just by the way that Uemura um, was sent out on an excursion. Because, again, just refresh listeners' memory if you didn't see it. He had a singles match with Okada. Okada beat him. And then Okada lifted him up, had his arm around the shoulder, saying, hey, good job, kids. Then Irish whipped him into the ropes and drop kicked him in the teeth. Just to, you know, for good measure, to yeah. send him packing before his excursion. So I'm, I figure that will play into his comeback somehow. But yeah, I mean, the promo writes itself, doesn't it, for Uemura, where he's, you know, saying to people like Suji, you know, uh, and, and Narita and Umino, like, what have you guys achieved? Between the three of you, you've managed to achieve one never open weight six man reign. That's pathetic. You're not musketeers. You're embarrassments. You're frauds. Blah 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 blah. And uh, then he's your next guy. He's the rocket pack. Yep. Um, what about, do you think it's, this is too early, mind you, but um, he might make a really nice title defense for the, uh, or, you know, briefcase defense, so to speak, for the G1 winner. Yeah, possibly, but I, I I'm loath to say that New Japan should or would repeat the rainmaker shock but that was whites in a lifetime i think yeah i I really do think november is an exceptional talent so that sort of blueprint of coming in and basically just winning like i know typically in recent history new japan has had their re-debuting young lines even ones with like a huge path to start them like a Jay White. They lose their first match. Yep. That's, that's just what they do. So I wouldn't be stunned if that's what happens. You know, maybe Uemura comes back a power struggle, um, attacks a singles title holder, you know, whoever it might be, or maybe not a title holder, just having some sort of uh, prominent singles match at Wrestle Kingdom and maybe losing that. That would be the the safe New Japan play, but I just, I feel that things are going to be different with him. Wouldn't it be great if they did flip the script and they said, okay, and again, I'll just use the G1 final as, as the uh, catalyst here. So come back G1 final, uh, you know, attacks the winner of said tournament challenges for the briefcase. 
They have the match. He wins the briefcase and goes on to Wrestle Kingdom. Uh, wins the title. I mean, just go total fucking jetpack. I mean, the, the, the likelihood of that happening, I think, is less than zero. But, like... I mean, we've said that about a lot of things. Yeah. You know, I think all bets are off, really. This is 2023 New Japan. Let's get wild. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're right. It, it, so, you know, as I say it, it's not that preposterous, right? It's not that fucking crazy. Do I think they'll do it? Again, I think it's less than zero. But... Like it, you're right. It's 2023, I, and I feel like there have been things in the past three years uh, that have been, you know, what, what, you know what's happening, <laughs> you know, the, those kind of things. So, yeah, if we're get if we're, if if 2023 is the year of wackiness, let's lean into it. Let's fucking go for it. Uh, and 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 you're instantly. Putting this guy uh, on the short track to leading the company. Because here's the thing. The guys that we have on top now, and we know who we're talking about. Your Tanahashis, your Naitos, your all those. They're not going to be around much longer at the top. Right, I think we all can agree with that. I don't, I, I don't even know if they are at the top. Right. I mean, look at the way that they've been booked recently. I mean, Okada is a never open weight six man title holder. So is Tanahashi, for that matter. Naito's not holding anything. He's not really prominently booked in storyline anyway. It, there's there's a huge power vacuum there. There is, but in it's also not only where you are in the card, Joel. It's there's a lot to do with the perception people have of who sure. are the stars, you know? Um, and that takes time. Who's on the posters, who's yep. on the merchandise, blah, blah, blah. Yep, yep. And who's, again, the face of, right? And for many, 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 many years, it's been Okada, Tanahashi, um, to a certain degree, Shibata, to a certain degree, Naito. Um, you know, certain degree, Jay White at one point, right? Um, I think that by doing something like that, what do I always say? I always say the hardest thing to do is to take a guy who's middle of the road and turn them into a star because you got to change the perception. You got to change. You got to re-educate people as to people. I mean, that was the biggest challenge like with a guy like Tai Chi, like Tai Chi was absolutely like people just fucking couldn't stand watching him. And then slowly and slowly and slowly and slowly changed perception. One way to change perception quickly is to do something what I like I just outlined. Um, and to me, you know, Okada is one of those guys that you could say they did that with. Um I mean, when they gave the belt to AJ, to a certain degree, that was like, okay, instantly going right all in. Um, so it's not like they haven't done that um, in modern times. They could do it again. They could do it again. Like, if we're serious about this, 
We could we could absolutely do that again. So to kind of put this in a bow, uh, do I see him coming back this year? I, I kind of do. I, I do. Um, and that's how I would do it. Yeah, I do like your idea of his return throwing like a massive fucking wrench into the top of the Wrestle Kingdom card. Yep. Uh, so, yeah, exciting time to watch this space. Uh, by the time you're hearing this, uh, he will have declared a full-time impact <laughs> superstar. <laughs> Never set foot in Japan right. again. Him moose um, going at so it for the 50th time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, here's another little news tidbit before we get into Forbidden Door. Um, Noah director Takeda. There was an interview with him last week. And, uh, here's a quote. Uh, now, bear in mind, he spoke in Japanese, so this is a translated quote. So there could be a fair amount of nuance and context that's lost here. But this is the English translation that was tweeted out by Metal Noah. So that's at Metal0515 on Twitter. Here's the quote. G1 is a tournament that attracts attention from all over the world. Kiyomiya uh, is good wrestler but he's not a wrestler who fights only in noah and is watched only by noah fans yes the main reason is to make kiyomiya more famous if the venue had been packed with fans who wanted to see kiyomiya we would not have lent him to g1 sadly it's not but we're not trying to run a small ramen restaurant where only regulars come our goal is to be at the top so we make a decision now when i read that i was like you fucking what? What did you? What did you just say about your your supposed ace there? Um, and again, I know some people have said that maybe you know there's a bit of nuance to this that's been lost, and maybe in the native Japanese it doesn't sound as harsh as it does with the English translation. But all the same, taking this at face value, uh, Stuart says, "Do you think New Japan is poaching Kiyomiya after that interview with the Noah president?" And Antonio says, Thoggots on Noah director burying Kaito Kiyomiya in public. Do you guys think Kiyomiya will be Noah OG for life? Or do you guys see him going to New Japan full-time like Shingo Ishimori in the future? Thoggots. Uh, look, it's that is a crazy thing to say. I mean, that's that in essence is saying, uh, you know, if you're talking about like football, you know, imagine the, the, uh, the post-match presser and he – says something like that about a star player. Either either the coach is gone or that the handwriting's on the wall with the player being gone. Um like like to me that feels like the complete opposite of of the New Japan tweet, right? Um like there's I I don't see an upside of anyone saying anything like that. Uh, is he going New Japan? I mean, look, if the company's head, the chairman, you say, is saying things like that in the press, how comfortable are you as a pro wrestler working in that company long term? I would, I would be, my resume would be out. I would be, I would be on indeed immediately because it's, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I don't, I, 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 I don't know how else you would take that. Um, so is he going new Japan? I, I, I don't, I don't know, but I, I would go anywhere else at that point. Like, what? Like, he's going to go back into the locker room with that out in 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 the uh, open? I'd be like, what the fuck? So, look, stranger things have happened. 
I, I would not, but but with when I read that, I was like, he's gone. He's got to be gone. How would you go back? Why would you go back? And again, taking into consideration the the translation. Uh, again, maybe things do get lost in translation, just like the movie. Uh, it's uh, it was a wacky thing to say. Uh, like I don't know of any benefit to Noah to anyone with that being said. I just, I just, I don't, I don't understand. Like it, I don't know how you turn this guy can't draw. <laughs> and so we're going to lend them out to new Japan uh, because he can't put fucking asses in seats for us. I don't know how you turn that into a pro wrestling angle. I really don't. Well, let me tie all this together and ask you, Damon. Now we've talked about the three musketeers who don't want to be musketeers and they're taking shots at each other. And Gabe kids who says that they're all shit. And the real three musketeers are him and Coglin and Connors. And now we've got uh, our IWGP World Heavyweight Champion in there, who everyone is calling a you know a fraud, and you know she doesn't deserve to be there. Plus, this uh, outsider failed ace who's been buried by his own uh, director. How excited are you for A Block in the Grade One Climax? Let me tell you something. I think this. I'm excited because we have a not only what you just outlined, but at the crux of it. We have a Chase Owens and Hikuleo. <laughs> Fine. Fine. Look, you don't think Chase Owens is going to have his working boots on? Like, everyone in that block is, well, not everyone, but a lot of them. We, we have young and hungry pro wrestlers that are going to try to make a mark. I don't think there's anything more exciting than that. Like to me, that fresh matchups um, with with internal struggle within the company with this Musketeers tweet, uh, I, I'm pumped. I can't wait for fucking G1 to start. I can't believe it's here. I cannot wait for it to start. Me too, man. This is how long have we got until when? When does G1 start? I think it's like a week, right? Middle of July. Yeah, right. Uh, Read it to the read it to the fourth. Yeah, July fifteenth. Yeah. Two weeks. Two weeks away. All right. I can hardly wait. Uh, okay, let's get into some ice cold takes about Forbidden Door Two. Ah. So, what order would you like to go, Damon? Do you want to work backwards from the main event down the card, or should we do chronological order? Um. Let's go top to bottom, uh, only because I think the majority of people want to hear our takes for the top two matches, um, and then we can work our way down and talk about the other stuff. Sound good? Sounds good to me. All right. All right. Well, the main event then was a special singles match with Brian Danielson defeating Kazuchika Okada in 27 minutes via submission. I didn't really like this one that much, Damon. Yeah. I know it might be heresy to say it, but I just the chemistry wasn't quite there, and it had been hyped up to such a degree. Plus, following uh, not directly following, but following you know the seventh match, that Omega Osprey match, where they did all of the things. This one just kind of fell a bit flat for me. I was expecting more, and knowing at the end that 
I mean, first of all, the finishing sequence was pretty cool with him sort of chaining together all those submissions, but it's nothing we have not seen Zack Sabre Jr. do before. And maybe this is just me, but knowing afterwards that, and seeing afterwards Danielson saying that he had a broken arm 10 minutes into the match, the optics of that, having your biggest star, Okada, getting beaten by a one-armed man, I don't really know how mm-hmm. that sits with me. And I'm not saying that they should have called an audible, that he should have you know, self-diagnosed and think, oh, I think my arm's broken quick. You, you need to go over instead. But maybe don't broadcast that immediately afterwards, saying, oh, I broke my arm 10 minutes into this. Right. Because then re-watching it, it's like your top guy is getting clowned by a guy who can, you know, barely lift his left arm or right arm or whatever it was, you know, maybe keep that quiet or, or say, oh, you know, Okada was so tough. He, you know, he was trying to power out of that last submission so hard. He broke my arm. You know, what a, what a tough bastard he is right. rather than, you know, declaring that you were basically handicapped and crippled for half of the match. Uh, so that just might be a weird hang up on my part. But um, yeah, I, I found this one a bit disappointing. Yeah, that's a good point you brought up. That quite honestly, I I, I didn't consider um, that. So yes, that is a, a valid point. I think the what do you think of the idea of them actually calling an audible? And because uh, I had heard some rumblings that they were going to go uh, much longer than that. <laughs> Shockingly, on a show that was like fucking half a day. Um, that they were actually going to go longer. Um, it, look, I, I got to give credit where credit is due in the sense that fucking, I can't, I stubbed my toe and I'm not getting off the couch for a week. Um, he's got a shattered forearm and um, he's working like another 15 minutes. The match itself is hard for me to judge and I try to judge it pre-injury, right? Um, because I, I just feel like anything after is icing on cake. The guy's working with a fucking broken arm. Um, but it's 10 minutes, you know? Like, if, if, if he broke his arm 10 minutes in, what the fuck could they accomplish besides awesome ring entrances and, you know, everybody hyped up to, that they can't believe what's in the ring in front of their eyeballs. Um, So... I feel kind of I, – I think it's unfair for me to sit here and be like, oh, that was a great match. Oh, that was a – I think this was a different match than what they had planned. I really do. Um, and I could be dead wrong. But I feel like there was other things. Now, is the finish itself what they were going to do from the jump? I, I don't know. It does seem really weird. Um, but if that was the plan, that was the plan. The, I, I think, I'd, I'd like to think that an audible was called and everyone in the ring was a professional and got through it. Um, but yeah, it was, I was surprised by the tap out. I was surprised in how quickly it felt. Um, and I do feel like it was kind of just plopped in the middle of the match so that there would be. A, a finish to a match as opposed to a main event that everyone was clamoring for and a referee holding up the old X sign and that be that. 
Yeah, because the crowd were not biting on those submission near falls. Mm-hmm. Like they haven't been conditioned for that. You know, for uh, the main event of a big US show, the crowd are expecting you know signature moves and the the classic finishes and everything and the rainmaker and whatever it is Danielson does. I don't know what his finishing move is. But the, yeah, the crowd were not expecting that to come and it very much came out of the blue. Um, so Matt writes in and says, did you guys get the feeling there will be another Danielson Okada match? Something felt so odd with the match. Could it just be Danielson's injury? Uh, Flynn says, do you think we're getting Okada versus Danielson in the Dome? Can't imagine they'd have Okada lose without a payoff in Japan. So yeah, I do think they absolutely have a better match in them. You would hope so, considering most of it was wrestled with uh, one of the guys with only one functioning arm. So yeah, I could absolutely see a rematch at the Tokyo Dome, sure. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't have been surprised if you told me that there would have been a rematch in Wembley. Um obviously that's would be put on the shelf for right now. Um, and if he can return in six months to wrestle, um, I don't know what the healing time would be on something like that, but I, I think he said six to eight weeks. So that wouldn't necessarily rule him out of Wembley, which is August 27th. So yeah, I think there's a fair chance he's back for Wembley. Wow. But I mean, yeah. Here's a guy that's had a lot of fucking injuries. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like uh, to be able to bounce back that quickly, I would be, I would be shocked, quite honestly. Um, but pro wrestlers are are a different breed. Um, yeah, I mean, I think, I think it's a, I, th- I think if I'm a betting man, I would say it's a, it's a ninety five percent chance we're seeing a rematch. Right, eight match then was the six-man tag match with Tetsuya Naito, Darby Allen, and Sting defeating Sami Guevara, Minoru Suzuki, and Chris Jericho. Uh, Naito got a extremely sloppy pin over Suzuki with his uh, jackknife hold, 15 minutes and nine seconds. Uh, what have we got? Oh, yeah, Flynn says, well done for calling Naito, wouldn't even bother taking his T-shirt off. Um, oh. let, I saw this funny thing on, on Reddit. It's uh, a little image with a picture of Naito, and it says, arrive get a hundred times better introduction than any other NJPW wrestler, treat Forbidden Door like a Road 2 show, wrestle whole match in a t-shirt, have a 64-year-old man taking all the big bumps, don't even do Destino, too complicated and requires taking a bump, win via roll-up, leave as fast as possible. Yeah. And those are my thoughts on the match. I love Tetsuya Naito very, very much. <laughs> I loved it. It's, I mean, it did feel like everyone involved no, it felt like it felt like okay, guys. Uh, we have uh, fifteen minutes or twenty minutes for this match, and uh, we'll work it out. And then, as they're going through the curtain, Tony Khan is yelling through the headset, "You, we ten minutes <laughs> or something." You know, they had a fucking nobody gave a fuck. It, it, it I love the idea and the concept of well, you can't follow certain matches, and you know what, you can follow certain matches. You absolutely can um, if you wanted to. We've seen it numerous times in in big events where the semi-main event was fucking awesome. And you're like, how the fuck are they going to top that? And and, and it gets topped. Now, is this match geared to do that? No, but it could have been a ton better. Uh, 
Yeah, I don't, I'm, I'm imagining Naito backstage watching the match uh, between Osprey and Omega. He, he sees Osprey literally drop Omega on his head, and then he sees that, and then puts his t-shirt back on. He's just like, "Oh fuck!" <laughs> right. yeah, that's, that would be that would be far from the truth, I would gather. Or either that, or he, he, he finally comes to the arena halfway through the match, <laughs> you know, halfway through Osprey and Omega, and just kind of walks to the back and then walks through the curtain and then leaves just as quickly. He's double parked outside. It was, uh, look, uh, we had, we had a lot of, uh, we'll call them veterans in, in this match that, uh, I don't know. (laughs) Like it was not a feeling of let's put forth, all the effort we can here. Um, it was, it was something that's for sure. Like it was like to me, if I'm Tony Khan, would you even have this match at this point? Like, wouldn't you just be like, okay, let's guys, we got to bump you. Like, and that's what this show felt like. It felt like let's get as many people as we can on a fucking show. And let's just, get as many people as we can on the show. That's what if I, I think we, we need to get rid of this fallacy of having the buffer match, right? We don't right. need a come down match between like, uh, I always use as an example, Wrestle Kingdom 11, where they went, the back end of that was, uh, Kushida versus Hiromu, then Goto Shibata, then Naito Tanahashi, then Okada Omega. Yeah. And they escalated in stakes and drama and quality and the fans were not tired. They were not burnt out by the end of that. And, and I remember at the time, people watching Tanahashi Naito thinking, oh, there's no way Okada and Omega can follow that. And boom. If it's good enough, it will do the job. Yes. So I would like to see people, you know, the people like Tony Khan be a bit more bold in the way he is structuring his events. Right. And I think the structure of the event, that was piss poor. Like, listen, I don't think there was anyone in that fucking building that thought, Kenny and and Will were not the main event. Like, how do you put that match anywhere, anywhere other than closing out the show? Because, like, I, I will say this. You are right. And I, and I subscribe to that a thousand percent. But after Kenny and Will do everything that they did, like if they did, they they did everything and the kitchen sink. Like if I'm a wrestler, like what what, what the fuck do I have to do? What, what, I have to light myself on fire. You know what I mean? Like what to get a crowd reaction? How am I going to get a crowd reaction? Um, and again, it can be done. Obviously, we, we you as you mentioned that example fits perfectly into that. But you got a bunch of sixty, you know, fifty. Year olds just, you know, they're, they're they can't do the the physical feats that Kenny and 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 Will can. Like, why would you put that match there? Just, I don't know. It did, that that kind of was laughable to me because it was just it was it was a no win situation. Yeah, agreed. Um, all right, then let's go to the seventh match, which was the IWGP US Heavyweight Championship match, where the 
Challenger Will Ospreay defeated the champion Kenny Omega to win back the US Heavyweight Championship match. 39 minutes, 50 seconds by Stormbreaker. Um, I would like you to share your thoughts first, please, David. Okay. Um, I thought this match was one of the most uh, thrilling and amazing spectacles of pro wrestling I've ever seen. Like, they did shit that I did not think was humanly possible. Uh, Look, if you're looking for Steamboat and Flair, this ain't it, right? So that's your definition of what pro wrestling should be. And that is the standard of what pro wrestling should be. This was not it. That being said, it is not 1989. It is 2023. 2000, correct me if I'm wrong, Jill. 2023. Uh, the idea that they're going to grab a hold and work an arm or any of that. If you thought that going in, I don't, I don't know what you've been watching for the past five years, 10 years maybe. Um, this was a perfect snapshot of what the best of modern pro wrestling is. It really is. This is it. This is this is the top. Now, there are influences from what they've uh, experienced and watched before and in the past. Um, and the spots were numerous. I mean, everybody's talking about the, 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 the Tiger Driver, uh, but even, you know, Kenny kicking out of a one-winged angel at, at one, and um, uh, not just that, it was a, a Kamigoye followed by a one-winged angel. <laughs> right, right. Uh, look, that's what that's where we are. Like people kick out of big moves, and I hate to break the bad news, the majority of people really enjoy it because that building would not have been sold if they didn't, right? And I don't think anybody walked out of that building thinking, oh, he didn't sell enough. Or, oh, he kicked out a big spot. Like, that's pro wrestling now. You're going to have to get over that. The second point is this. Uh, Will Ospreay. (laughs) Like, can... Is there any doubt in anyone's mind that he is the best pro wrestler in the world right now. Like, and and again, please alter your thinking a little bit. You're not in 1989. Okay. So if you think, you know, Brad Armstrong or Tim Horner, or uh, I don't know who, you know, uh, that's pro wrestling, Greg Gagne, uh, you're going to be sadly, sadly, sadly disappointed at the state of where we are in pro wrestling. To me, I like this. I enjoy this a ton. Is it dangerous? Like, uh, did, it, when, here we go with the dangerous thing. Like, both those guys walked out of that ring, you know, bumped and bruised, sure. But but in in pro wrestling, that's what happens. Did Have they shaved years off of their career? Of course, right? 
just like any athlete, right? Do you think hockey players don't shave years off their lives doing things, hustling a little bit, maybe more than they should have, or football players or whomever, athletes in general? Like, Brian Danielson broke his arm, you know, on a, on a relatively simple spot, you know? Yeah, the, the most dangerous move on this show, uh, by outcome at least, was the elbow drop because <laughs> one went straight into CM Punk's dick and the other one broke Danielson's arm. Right, uh, which is funny. I'm sure we will talk about because that's right up our alley. But it's, you know, I, I'd like the worry police. Uh, I, I laugh at. I just, I'm just like, they're going to do what they're going to do. And that's not for nothing. That's what you paid for. Like, did you think you were going to get a fucking eight-minute working the arm spot? Did you think you were going to get you know, working a headlock for 20 minutes? Come on. You knew what you were getting. You wanted that. <laughs> like, you wanted that. Uh, and once again, they're athletes. They're professionals. They can do what they want if they feel the need. <sighs> that being said, I did like the Tokyo Dome match a little bit better, but um, look, I got no complaints about this match. I thought this match was fucking thrilling, um, and I'm and I'm not going to nitpick over, you know the, you know the lack of selling and the kicking out of big moves. It's just that's where we are. Did the Don Callis involvement affect your <sighs> enjoyment of the match? Um. I just thought it was kind of preposterous in the sense that the referee kicks him out of ringside, sends him to the back, and then he just casually walks back. <laughs> like, like, oh, okay. And the referee even saw him and acknowledged him. Like, I'm like, that makes no sense. I mean, either kick him out or don't kick him out. You're like, like, what was the point of kicking him out if he's just able to walk right back in? Oh, that was funny. Um Truth be told, I wish there wasn't that involvement. I understand why they're trying to uh, prolong a storyline. I get it. But, yeah, what I would have rather have seen him not involved in the match in any form and and a screwdriver to the head not being you know, a part of the match. Yeah. Yes. Yes, I would have. But. Okay. Um, I don't think that this diminishes my enjoyment of the match. It really didn't. Yeah, I'm with you. I thought it was a, a spectacular match, but I didn't enjoy it as much as the Tokyo Dome one. Um, I liked the presentation like with both guys coming out to their old themes. Um, but for me, the Don, like the whole feud now revolving around Don Callis was unfortunate. But I mean, the actual self-contained narrative of the, the the actual interactions between Osprey and Omega made sense because Omega basically beat the shit out of Osprey at the Tokyo Dome. So Osprey came in with this sort of single-minded, violent mentality to destroy Kenny Omega. So it made sense everything that Osprey was doing to Omega. And I gotta respect the sheer audacity of Osprey. Like the sicko shit he was doing, like licking the blood off his arm, uh the the Shawn Michaels Canada flag tribute spots. <laughs> And locking on the cripple across face oh. on the anniversary of the fucking Benoit murder-suicide, no less. 
uh, that <laughs> that was a choice. Yeah. Uh, so I respect the audacity of it, if, if nothing else. Um, so yeah, like they they did everything. They did all of the wrestling here, and I kind of felt it it was sort of too much. By the end of it, I was just like, oh Jesus! Like I I prefer the Tokyo Dome match just as a sort of little self contained thing. There, I, I thought that was close to perfect, uh, and for, for me and the level of violence that I like to see in a pro wrestling match. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, this match was, was fantastic to watch and really fun, but um, I, yeah, I also prefer the Tokyo Dome one. Uh, but let me ask you a question from Flynn. This is, what is your thoughts on the follow-up to Will versus Omega? Uh, why is Kenny saying the better man won when Will hit him with a screwdriver? <laughs> it's like they're just trying to move on now without Will getting a clean win, which is really annoying. Feels like the hottest match in wrestling was a side story to the Omega Callus thing. Um, it did seem from the post-match comments that they both moved on from this. Um... There's money to be made with it. Um, I, I, I don't, I don't. Maybe in the short term, they're they're moving on with it, but like they would be really foolish to leave money on the table with that match. I think it. You know, you got both guys with one win. Okay, we still haven't determined who's the best. Um, let's let's do that. Look, the screwdriver spot. I mean, he tried every pro wrestling move to put on. <laughs> why not? Why not use a screwdriver? Like, like to me, I, like this was a Western pro wrestling match, and I think the Tokyo Dome. I mean, aside from yeah, no kidding, Damon. Fucking, it was in Tokyo. Of course, it's job. But you know what I mean. Like, it, I felt like this match was geared more toward that kind of kick out on big move things that you see a ton on us based Western shows and maybe not so much in Japan. Um, and I don't have a problem with it. Like I, I just don't have a problem with that. Um, was it look, I had somebody tell me I, 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 ha- I couldn't watch the, the end of it because my kid was laughing at the, the absolute, like the idea of everyone kicking out of everything, <laughs> like like a non wrestling fan watching that, yeah, they're going to be like, I mean, what is he going to do? Shoot him to the fucking pin him? I, I I get that, but this this show was not about that. This show was not about um anything. This show was not about anything other than guys and young ladies like us that will masturbate to the loveliness and the art of pro wrestling with dream matches that we never thought we would get. That's what these shows are. This is a, it's kind of like, I hate to use this analogy, but this is a meeting of the juggalos, but for geeky pro wrestling fans. If you're listening to my voice right now, I'm going to let you know something. I'm going to let you know something. And maybe your wife or your girlfriend or your boyfriend or whomever doesn't have the guts to tell you, you're a fucking geek. <laughs> All right? If you're listening to this, uh, a review on a show that you watched. So, but that's fine. 
Like that's that's why this is here for to to let you live your lives and yet have this to kind of fall back on to get that geekiness out, right? That's what the show was. That's what the show was. Right, so uh, the sixth match was the AW Women's World Championship match. Tony Storm beat Willow Nightingale. Um, I do want to talk a bit about Willow Nightingale, but I will save that for our preview of the Independence Day oh. shows. Uh, any any thoughts on this one, or should we move on? No. Um, look, I think Tony Storm is really good. I really do. Um, I think everything about her is like. She, to me, like a feud with her and Monet would be fantastic, I think. Um, Willow Nightingale, I like. I like a lot. Um, I think for someone who it might be a struggle in the sense of, does she have the name recognition that um, she should by holding that championship. I, I think probably what one third of the audience knew who she was. And that's saying something that's a hardcore audience. Um, but I think the match was fine. Uh, I mean, I, I, I don't, I don't know if there's anything that I would be like, Oh, okay. That absolutely stood out as the spot of the night. You know, of course not. Uh, but I thought the match was was fine for. I don't want to say where it was placed, but look, let's be brutally honest. If we're cutting any match, it's probably going to be that, right? Or one of the many multi six man tags that we were we were honored enough to see. Um, I just. I, look, I know I'm getting old, but I was really tired by the end of this. And I watched this in the middle of the fucking day. It was, just, I, I, I couldn't believe it was still going on. <laughs> like it was a long, between like the pre-show and the actual show. I don't know what it was, man, but I felt like I could not believe the show was still going on at certain points. And if I was going to cut any match, it would probably be, this one would would more than likely lead the list. It's and, and and that's not saying it was a bad match. It was just too much. I don't I don't think you can cut the women's world championship match. I think that would have been really bad optics. Of course it would. I think it would have of course it would. Yes it uh, yes. Optic wise, terrible. But on a show where we had just countless of things that 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 I don't know if anyone would have been upset if they cut any one of the multi-man tags, right? Would people be upset if they cut that match? Yes, probably. And I get it. I hear their voices. I understand that. I'm just looking for places to cut down. And I don't know if the New Japan Women's Strong title is that important to this show um that it's that it's uh untouchable to be cut it uh, something had to be cut joel 
would you agree with that? Um, I'm just scrolling through the card. I think if I were to cut anything, it would have been that eighth match, the Naito six man tag. Yeah, absolutely. That got 15 minutes, and yeah, that that would have been first on the chopping block for me. Okay, but let me ask you this: How many people after this show talked about that particular match? I don't think anybody remembers it. Do you? No. no, I mean, I take your point. It was it was one of the less remarkable matches, but I think it was important that it was there. So I will I will defend the uh, importance and significance of having this match, even if I, I don't have any analysis right, of okay. to offer. Right, so, right, <laughs> you see my point? Like, okay, all right. Now, 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 wait, is that... It was uh, good, it was fine. They're, good. They're both good wrestlers. Yes. It was a good match for 10 minutes. Like, what, what do you want? Yeah, what you want from me? Right, okay, but but in the same breath, uh, you know, there were a lot of good wrestlers in that in that multi man tag that I would have said we're cutting you. Like I'm not saying cut them because they're women and it's a women's match by no stretch of the imagination. I'm just saying let's look. I'm I'm willing to cut out Jericho and Suzuki and Naito. And I'm willing to say, off the cart, we're, we, we, we are short on time. And I think if, if I'm going to say that, then, yeah, why not this? Because of all the reasons that, that I laid out that people tend to agree with, well, why not? Okay. But I understand the optics. I understand all that. But okay. You know, it was a long show, Joel. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, fifth match. Uh, I really enjoyed this one, actually. The 10-man tag match with uh, Matt Jackson, Nick Jackson, Hangman Page, Tomohiro Ishii, and Eddie Kingston beating the Blackpool Combat Club, uh, John Moxley, Claudio Castagnoli, and Willie Utah, plus Kanosuke Takeshita and Shota Umino. So, yeah, this was a lot of fun. I liked Mox using his New Japan theme, and I think Blackpool Combat club look really cool they look like a pack of badasses uh and it was quite unfortunate in this match having uh Takeshita next to show to Umino because it made Umino look like even more of a dork because Takeshita looks really cool he's big he's muscular he's got his leather trench coat and the swagger and the man bun uh, that is what Shota should be doing I mean I don't think Shota would be able to put it off to be honest but I thought Takeshita looked like a million bucks here especially squaring off against Ishii which made him look like a giant and one of my favorite spots of the entire show was that forearm spot where he just absolute beast shit. He looked like he knocked Ishii into another dimension. Um, so, yeah, I thought he stole Shota's lunch here, to be honest. Uh, although he does need to learn where the hard cam is. But, uh, yeah, just a lot of fun. Kingston and Mox, Mox doing their chop battle while everyone else is flying around them off the top rope. That was very funny. Um it was very stupid when uh, Eddie Kingston pushed Mox out of the way of the super kicks. That took me out of the match a bit. Uh, but yeah, about what I expected. Big spot fest at the end. It's not my favorite kind of match, but a really fun watch. And interesting that they had Ishii pick up the pinfall because, um, I mean, if you're going to do it anywhere, do it in the States where people are going to appreciate it a bit more. So yeah, lots of fun. Yeah, it was a car crash match um, that had a lot of those spotty elements right everybody had to get their shit in uh 
Yeah, I me I think AEW right now is in like such a weird fucking place in the sense that we have two TV shows. Well, they have more than that, but okay. We'll just say two TV shows uh, where they have to separate certain parties from other parties uh, because either they don't get along or there's heat or we're thrown fists, whatever the case may be. But in the same breath, like they both, and I'm talking about punk, obviously, and and the bucks and all that. They both bring an element and a dynamic to the company. And this is from an outsider looking in, mind you. They both bring an element um, that they acknowledge the problem. They acknowledge the fact that we did this to appease both parties. Um, and yet there is this, I don't know, like one upsmanship or um, this dynamic that has been built like a, like a, like a fucking powder keg. <laughs> like, like I, I, I'm waiting for the shoe to fucking drop because how can a company like maintain itself when you have this level of infighting? It's amazing to me. Like it feels like WCW, <laughs> you know, um, on its last legs. It really does. Like, what what is going on now again that being said i think like what the bucks bring to the table is once again u.s pro wrestling where we are that's what you're going to get you're going to get spots and, and goofiness and uh just stuff that is fast paced and moving and away we go that's a good thing. It's not a bad thing. It's a good it is a good thing because I, to a person, I think the majority of people felt exactly the way that you did. Um and me too. I felt the same way. Like I I'm sorry. It, it if that makes me a a terrible pro wrestling fan. And trust me, I I I I think the majority of, I've been watching this shit longer than you have. Um uh, I enjoy this. Like this, like if anything, watching this, it's not boring. It's actually fun, right? People enjoy it. It's good. Um, that's what this is all about. So I like the match. Um, did I like Kingston and the finish? And I, 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 I had to be scratching my head. Obviously, we're booking for something else, but it was just. Like this was the fun match to me. Like this was the the let's just watch the fucking spectacle, um, and that's good. You need that in pro wrestling, and I feel like that's what it was. Uh, fourth match was the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship match with Sanada getting in a successful defense against the challenger Jack Perry in ten minutes forty nine seconds with a rowdy body press. Uh, I did fear the worst for this at the start with the Red Shoes chance because that's exactly the sort of shit a US crowd will do to sabotage a match. Yeah. But they got back on board. So um, Sanada d- 
ditching the paradise lock for the most part with his new reinvention of his character, only to bring it back oh. in the most egregious, disrespectful way possible. I thought it was a great touch. I think it fit his pre-match comments. He was completely dismissive of Jack Perry. And this is how it, it played out here. Like, it, it was a decent match. They kept it relatively simple. We've seen much better from Sonata in New Japan. And it wasn't booked to be an epic. It was booked to be a, a very comfortable win for Sonata. He didn't even use the deadfall, which I think was the correct move because the story is Perry is not at Sonata's level. And so as a result, Sonata just turned in like a, a 2019 Sonata yeah. night eight G1 third match from the top performance. And I applaud that. That was really? the correct thing to do. And but yeah, at the end, this was a vehicle for the, the Perry turn. Yes. And Sonata absolutely telegraphed that by sprinting out of the ring as soon as the match was over. But uh, good book in all rounds. You know, Sonata gets the dominant win, absolutely phones it in and, and beats Perry with no trouble whatsoever. And that's the catalyst for Jack Perry to have his heel turn. Um, I thought actually, just as a side note, Taz did a very good job in putting over the fact that he wanted to get involved to help his boy Hook but uh, he didn't. But yeah, this was fine. I, I, I'll be honest with you. I didn't even know Hook was at ringside. <laughs> I had no idea until, until the turn. And then they had to turn away. Like, I guess they were trying to throw it to some video package or something. And then they had to go back to the ring uh, or to the ramp for the angle <laughs> that hadn't occurred yet. But okay. Um, I, 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 look, I understand we want to put our world champion on a show. Uh, we're in the middle of the card, right? Uh, in a defense that, quite honestly, it didn't feel like anyone took seriously. Anyone took seriously. Uh, <laughs> I, you know what? I'm going to change my mind. I'm going. I want to keep the women's. Uh, title match, and I'll lose this. <laughs> right? Here's the problem. Okay, okay. Let, let me reboot this. Let's fantasy book. They have the match, but three minutes into it, Sanada slaps on the paradise lock and just leaves. It just <laughs> leaves the arena. <laughs> right. Right. Do you know how much I hate the paradise lock? And I hate the fact that there are people that have to put that over as some kind of crazy, uh, wacky, uh, look, I look. It worked here. It worked in this spot uh, because it made Jack Perry look like a geek. Yes. Okay. It was it was intentionally disrespectful. Uh, I hate it. It was showed that Sonata's not take not taking his opponent seriously. Okay, fine. Why are we having the then how did he get a title shot? Like exactly right. You know, that's what he was complaining that's about. That's the point. Yeah. That's the whole point. Sonata said they should have got right. one, so it works. Right. You've, Can you've I proved his point. Do you think Sonata like who was the, the new Japan guy? that walked away from this show better than going in. Right. Thank uh, you. That's exactly that my point. Is- <laughs> that sigh, that, that, uh, that just complete frustrating uh, release of air. Yes, that's exactly right. Really? This young up and comer picking up the beautiful day. Really? Oh, because I, I Oh, I don't think I, like I'm really hard pressed to be like, OK, they, this guy came out looking better than he was. Uh, well, it, I mean, I, and here's the thing. Is Osprey the new Japan guy? OK, right. OK. Um, but well, I tell you what, it's going to look extremely funny when the, the most prominent win 
New Japan gets on this card ends up with a guy who signs for AEW next year. So Seriously. Watch this face. Seriously. I mean, did you feel a little bit like Noah? <laughs> I kind of did. I kind of felt a little Noah-ish. Yeah. I, I don't think New Japan got fucked or anything no. here. I thought they, they, they did all right. They, they did probably a bit better than I was expecting. So I'm not going to be like, oh, Tony's crown screwed us again. But um, yeah, I mean, we know what's up. Yeah. We know where the, the power dynamics are in this relationship. Yep. Yep. We're the bitch. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's move on then. So the third match was the AW International Championship four-way match with Orange Cassidy successfully defending against uh, Daniel Garcia, Katsuyori Shibata, and Zack Sabre Jr. in 11 minutes 27 seconds with a crucifix pin on Daniel Garcia. I really enjoyed Zach coming out ranting because they played his old music and he would say, where's my TMDK music, you morons? That's the wrong bloody music. <laughs> so that was very good. Uh, yeah, this was fun. I, uh, I thought uh, Daniel Garcia was good comic relief. They did lean into the US style, overly choreographed, synchronized multi-way match tropes that personally take me out of the match. But once they got that out of the way, it, it was really good. The Zach and Shibata rivalry, which, uh, lest we forget, dates all the way back to, what, 2017? That was a nice thread holding the the narrative of the match together. Uh, I would still like to see a Zach versus Orange Cassidy singles match. I hope that's the direction eventually. Uh, I thought him working over Cassidy's hand was well executed by Zach. It was sold well by OC. Um, I think having no DQs in a four-way match is stupid, so I didn't like that. Uh, Man, there's just something really surreal about seeing Shibata wrestling. Yeah. It's, it feels like a fever dream. Um, and you can tell he really, really likes Orange Cassidy. So, you know, we have the nice ending to the post-match with a handshake. But every time I see Shibata wrestling in ROH or AEW, I just think, what? Yeah. what is going on? Yeah. But we've talked about that a million times. So I'm not going to rehash that. But this was a fun match. I liked it. Yeah, I agree. Um I, I, look, they, they had guys that in there that made the match very interesting even when it was uh, you know Zach and Shibata doing everything in their power to just get at each other like i did enjoy that in the sense of uh you know they're going to they're going to fight tooth and claw uh tooth and nail tooth and claw tooth and something um to get at each other i like that i thought that was pretty fun um yeah, I mean, when did they change the title's name? Wasn't that like the Mid-Atlantic, um, uh, Oceanic? <laughs> no, no, who cares? Come on. No one gives a oh, no? Oh, come on. I care. I don't give a fuck. Uh, all right, Grant, uh, let's move on then. Uh, second match was the Owen Hart Cup first round with uh, CM Punk defeating Satoshi Kojima. 30 minutes, 40 seconds by GTS. I mean, what more can I say about this match apart from the tweet from Kojima? My elbow drop hit his cock. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) That that was the best part of the whole show. Um, Yeah, I mean, this was just a vibes match. Uh, Nothing special in ring uh, apart from the the elbow drop on the dick. Uh, But I thought they rode the, uh, the good work from CM Punk to make himself into the heel. There were some fun little moments, him counting to 10 in Japanese with the corner punches and the Laria, 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 Kojima callback. Uh, him doing Mongolian chops. 
So yeah, a uh, lot of shit housing, different flavor of shit housing to the MGF shit housing. Um, this was more like sort of punk fucking around with Kojima because he didn't think Kojima was on his level, and I thought Kojima played his role well. So yeah, absolutely fine. Look, I know that people, there are people that love him and people that hate him. Uh, I'm in the camp of I do enjoy him. I do. I I do because I think the small things that he does, um, when it comes to like uh, facial expressions or um, leaning into situations and making the most of them, like half the crowd loved them, half the crowd fucking hated them, and maybe that's it. That, that's what he's the best at. Like he at all times, whether he's wrestling or cutting a promo, he has the crowd in the palm of his yes. hand. And there's not many in the business as good as him at doing that. Like physically, he might be cooked, right. but in terms of owning the room, he's the guy. Yep, a, 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 a thousand percent. And and people might not want to hear that, but like you are exactly right. He owns the fucking room. Um. I, there is, there is, I, I personally, I feel there is so much value still to him. Again, he's not ring of honor CM Punk. He's not, you know, early, you know, ECW, uh, you know, reboot CM Punk. He's not even Nexus CM Punk, but what he is, is a guy who is captivating and uh and for better or for worse beat you know beats to his own drummer and and that's or drums uh, why can't i get any fucking thing right <laughs> am i having a stroke like what is going on <laughs> like like I, this is your brain on AEW. <laughs> i feel like my brain is short circuiting like i can, I can feel it <laughs> like i like I can feel the, the disconnecting from my spine. I feel like Shibata right now, in the sense that somebody took out my brain. <laughs> um, look, uh, we look. I don't care who decided to fucking say no. We're not wrestling when it came to the Kenta stuff, right? I truly don't give a flying fuck. I don't care if it was if it was punk and that's the word that we got is that it was punk who put the old ah, I don't know if I'm doing that brother kind of thing um I don't know I just think that right, let's be clear right. right it would make absolutely zero sense for Kenta who has been angling for this match for years to suddenly to say actually no I don't want it right right, right. And here's the thing too, like, uh, or whatever. I, I think I think that horse has been beaten to death. Uh, my point is this: if you don't think that there is value in CM Punk, you are a fool, because there absolutely is. And I think even with uh, the body not quite being what it once was. He's still a megastar, and there's money to be made with CM Punk. 
And the second match, oh no, the first match was the AW World Championship match with uh, MJF defeating Hiroshi Tanahashi in 50 minutes, 46 seconds. Uh, I enjoyed MJF's robe. The New Japan is an indie <laughs> robe. That was a nice touch. Yeah. Uh, and the fact that he scheduled a tweet 30 minutes into the broadcast saying that by now I will have already defeated the ace of New Japan. Uh, but yeah, this was like the perfect opener to get the crowd on their feet. Very much like the Punk Kojima match. It was a vibes match. I thought they had really good chemistry, good dynamics. This was all about the crowd and the heat, the character work, the the taunting, the emoting. That that did all the heavy lifting here. And to be fair, it was mostly MGF doing it. And I think he's got a lot of those skills that you know we just talked about CM Punk having. And, and I know hardcore New Japan fans might not like him, but he is very good at what he does. He's like a sort of more cartoonish version of, of that or of Jay White. And this is exactly what it should have been. This is where it needed to be. Not every match needs to be the work rate epic. I do enjoy the variety. I thought the build to this was good. They delivered on that appropriately. Um, I will say this, the amount of shenanigans and, and Tanahashi getting a visual pin was very generous on him. I think that tells us how much MJF respects him and respects New Japan. Because if MJF had just beat him clean, I wouldn't have had any complaints whatsoever. Because... Uh, you know, we've been seeing Tanahashi job into Hanari and Chase Owens of recent years. Um, you know, that probably speaks volumes about how I perceive Tanahashi now. You know, we need to have that conversation about how long he's got left as a, a prominent singles wrestler. But uh, th- this was a perfectly fine opener. But you you tutted and you did a deep sigh. So I think you, <laughs> you probably got something to say on this. It's, it, was, it was a moment of clarity and a moment of reality of where we are with Hiroshi Tanahashi. Uh, boy, physically. Mentally, he's, 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 he's there. I mean, he it is arguably one of the smartest guys to get inside of a ring and to be able to do what he's been able to do for countless years is truly amazing. And he will go down as one of the greatest of all time. Um, I think one of the biggest challenges with this match was the fact that people still think it's 2000 and, you know, 20 or 19 or, you know, it's, it's not. And that was the realization that I think a lot of people came to with this match. Um, and I think that is the thing that breaks my heart the most. That, and it, you see it in all sports. You see it in all sports. But this was, I feel like, a defining moment in people realizing that it's 2023 and there are a ton of miles on this guy. Um, I think the idea of, of presenting him as this legendary figure. I think you have to, right? I mean, of course you do that. The problem is, is that, and again, this is not a show that is built for casual pro wrestling fans, right? It's not. But if you happen to stumble across this, I don't think by any stretch of the imagination, you would be thinking Hiroshi Tanahashi is this guy that is... I don't want to say worthy of a title shot, but worthy of a title shot, right? 
um, we know how New Japan has been slowly booking Tanahashi to, you know, kind of take the spotlight off of him a little bit. Um, I, I'm I'm going to be very frank. I, I, I and again, I'm not the worry police. They're 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 adults. But the idea of Hiroshi Tanahashi grinding through a G1, I, uh, I, I do have my concerns. I do have my concerns. So uh, that's where I am with this match, honestly. Uh, this was me watching a guy that, quite honestly, will go down as one of the greatest pro wrestlers of all time being a step behind and that breaks my heart yeah agreed i am not looking forward to his g1 climax at all i'm scared maybe it should be the last one it might be old yellow time but uh yeah we will see about that uh i mean in terms of the pre-show there's not really a great deal here i mean there was a six-man lij united empire match which you know, we've seen a thousand times on any New Japan show. Although I thought it was interesting that TJP, who uh, let's not forget is a title holder, taking the pin here. Um, actually, a lot of New Japan title holders taking the pin. Tanahashi, no mention of his uh, never open weight six man title, and Okada. Yeah. So the the disrespect thrown at our trios champions uh, is outrageous, and I will not stand for it, and I'll be boycotting all future AW collaboration. Uh, so yeah, there was that. Um, I'm a bit surprised, actually, Shingo and Hiromi weren't featured more prominently on the show, but I guess, you know, you can't feature everyone every year, so whatever. Uh, ELP getting a singles match and a singles win, that was notable. I mean, all the people that were crowbarred into Multimans to have, uh, and I know he's sort of a hometown guy, because he's Canadian, blah, blah, blah. Okay, but, okay, uh, but, but that's um, the other side of the way. He's from, like, Vancouver, isn't he? So, okay, so not yeah, home, yeah, like, home country, <laughs> right, right? It would well. Canada's weird like that. Like so, like Canada has one baseball team, the Toronto Blue Jays, that you know everybody rallies behind because it's the one Canadian team. Um, but yeah, it, it would be like me saying I'm from Los Angeles. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes. Uh, so okay. So maybe I'm sort of <laughs> giving too much credit to, to that, but. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know if I'm sort of reading too much into it. They did play the wrong music, actually, for ELP. It's a nice spot for him. Um, he, I'd say keep an eye on him in the G1. I think he, he's a clear underdog because he's got Okada and Osprey in his block. But um, I think definite dark horse down. I know a lot of people saying he's on fraud watch, but uh, I'm, I'm sort of quietly bullish about his prospects there. Uh, and the opening match, Despi, Chuck Taylor, Rocky Romero, Trent Barretta. What a weird team. Uh, against this AW team. I don't even know their name. The Embassy, something like that. I don't, whatever. Uh, <laughs> any other thoughts on no. the pre-show? I, I, truth be told, I, I, I missed that particular match. I did not see that match. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that's fire pro wrestling 101. <laughs> it felt like just rattling off those names. Just not, But, no, I can't comment because I didn't see. Uh, Tin Drum Ghost says, which show do you prefer, Forbidden Door 1 or Forbidden Door 2? I think 2 peaked higher, but I thought 1 was sort of more enjoyable. It had sort of a better atmosphere, better vibes to it. But uh, there's not a great deal in it. Yeah, I would say 1 as well, only because I think people, the people who were asked to step up did, you know, incredible, you know, 
with the all the injuries and everything. And I think that helped play into it too a little bit in the sense that the people that were there were going to make sure that this was in a memorable evening um, and the wrestlers were there you know, in step with that thought process. So I don't know. Maybe the first one's always more special. Um, I think that, yeah, the ceiling on two was higher. Like, I don't think that there was a match on one that came close to what Kenny and 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 Will were able to do. Uh, but in the same breath, I think I feel like the entirety of the card itself for one um, and people stepping up and people making sure that this was good. Um, I, I I might appreciate more. Um, uh, my fear is this. If we do, and I'm sure we will because there's money to be made. If we do a forbidden door three, like how much steam does this idea have? Like how much, how, you know, how much longer do we have with the idea of these joint shows? Um, because I can already sense people kind of being like, okay, I kind of know what to expect. A lot of these things that we touched on, you're going to get, more than likely a great main event, maybe even a great semi main event to throw in there, but also a lot of stuff that were, you're like, all right. <laughs> right. Uh, so I don't know. I, I know I enjoyed one more than I enjoyed two. That's for sure. Well, here's an interesting one. Do you think, uh, so this is from uh, Viral Viper, when are we getting Forbidden Door in Japan? Do you think it's something that can cross over or do you think basically that Forbidden Door is an AW show and any AW involvement in Japan would be within the context of a New Japan show? Um, I think if we do see a Forbidden Door in Japan, I think it's going to have a similar flavor and taste to what we see with these Independence Day, July 4th shows when it comes to strong. Like, I don't think that you're getting the, A, the amount of people participating from AEW, and B, the amount of stars that you're seeing. Um, unless, unless it's, you know, big building worthy. Could, could they do big buildings? I think so. Sure. Yes. But like, I I don't know if I, 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 in my heart, I feel like this is an AEW show. So if AEW is going over and new Japan is involved, I don't think we're going to see similar finishes and similar results as we saw on this show. Agreed. Um, here's, a funny one from, uh, well, actually two. George says, since Jungle Boy never watched a Sonata match, do you think Sonata told Jungle Boy that his ultimate finisher was the moonsault and that's why he put him away with that? Fatty Lumpkin says, do the Japanese talent appreciate having to work for Door? Both Naito and Sonata phoned it in and got the hell out of the ring and went back as fast <laughs> as possible. Uh, do you Did you get the sense from some of the New Japan talent that they were not, I don't want to say didn't want to be there, but were perhaps not showing the same enthusiasm 
Mm. Yes, as, as last year's crew did. Yeah. I think, I don't think anybody would doubt that, right? Just looking at the matches themselves. Um, yeah, I mean, there, there, there were people that, I mean, and again, Naito is pretty, you know, infamous for stuff like this, but I, yeah, you could see it. I think I feel like you could, you could see it on a lot of guys. Um, I don't know. Like, why? Why am I feeling like I, I'm kind of over these? I'm kind of maybe I'm projecting. They are exhausting. They, they are absolutely exhausting. Like the discourse, the arguing, the bickering, yes. in the weeks leading up to it, and the weeks after it. I just it's it, it's a lot. It is a lot. Uh, but here's the thing, too. In, in, until a building doesn't sell out, they're going to keep doing them, right? They're going to keep doing them because, because there is interest in it. But I just, okay, so how long are you going to milk that cow? Like how long can, can this last? Do we, have a, do, we have, do we have a forbidden three in us? Could you imagine a, a, a forbidden door four, <laughs> right? Like, I don't know if, I don't, I, I don't know. I don't know if I'm look, I don't know. Once again, I always think about the value. What is the value that the promotion that I talk about, what is the value that they are getting? What aside from a big wrestling in front of a big house in, in Toronto, Canada, aside from that, what was the win for New Japan? Um, I'm not sure there was one. And I know people will say exposure, but... Really? Exposure? I'm, huh. I, I'm suspicious about that. I don't... I think that's overblown. I do too. I think it's incredibly overblown. And I don't think that necessarily results in eyeballs on a pure New Japan pro wrestling product. I don't, because if it did, we would see New Japan solo shows. Joel, that uh, junior tournament thing in Philly, there's so many tickets still available. It's unbelievable. <laughs> it would help if they announced some talent in a match. Wouldn't that be great? That, but um, yeah, I, I mean, yeah, so what have New Japan got this year? Uh, in in Japan from AEW, we've got we've had Kenny at the Dome, Moxley, FTR, yeah, Mox here and there, uh, and Eddie Kingston in the G One. <laughs> I may be missing a few here and there, but right, <laughs> like what what is the value of this relationship from a New Japan perspective? I w- I'll say this: like, it's not. I don't think it's egregious. Like it's. I, I don't hate it. It's fine. The, the as I've said before, the discourse is exhausting. If it disappeared tomorrow, if like they said tomorrow, right, the partnership is over, no more crossovers, I'd be absolutely fine with that because I think the most exciting part for me is everything that's going on in Japan with the New Japan native talent and their up and comers and all the stuff that we talked about at the start of the show. This stuff with the crossovers, I think this is more for the AW fans than it is the New Japan fans. Because yeah. I I think that with the hardcores, at least, you know, the, the freaks on our Discord, 
don't really care for it that much. No, no. Why would I mean? Look, the the idea and the premise of dream matches happening, uh, I'm I'm all for. I love. I think that's fantastic. That that in this day and age we're able to do that. Um, fucking biscuit bones, Danielson. Um, <laughs> Bugging it all up. Look what happened to that dream match? I don't listen. He's eating all those vegetables. He snaps like a fucking celery. <laughs> Come on. That was a joke. That was pretty good. <laughs> little, little vegan joke. Come on. <laughs> don't, leave, don't leave me hanging uh, like that. Come on. <laughs> Even a polite chuckle would have been nice. Jeez. I was muted. I had to unmute myself so you, I could show my uh, vocal appreciation for that. Because that was a great gag. Really? That was a, a good uh, Not yes. one of my better ones. Not one of my better ones. Uh, they can't all be gems, Joel. All right. Um, all right. So where do we stand with this show? Can I ask you this? Where do we stand? Give me a uh, scale of one to ten. Let's do the one to ten, shall we? Uh, where is this landing for you? Uh, six. Okay. Ooh. Six. I say uh, I, I was going seven. I was going seven. I think wh- – what was your thought on the main event? Not the well, not the actual main event, but the Kenny Will match. Is is obviously it's less than the dome, right? Less than Wrestle Kingdom. But where would you put that in the wide range of pro wrestling ratings? Uh, where would you? Where would this, this match sit with you? Like, is this a rewatchable match? Is this a match that's on Joel's VHS tape that he's wearing out? Like, where does this stick? No, it's not. I don't think it's going to be in my top 10. I just thought it was the the essence of the first, the Tokyo Dome one, but just sort of cranked up to the um, goldfish-like attention spans of US yeah. viewers. Yes. This is, this is a Japanese treat that has been brought over to the United States, and we added our high fructose corn syrup to it. That's exactly what it feels. That's 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 it. Like a nice. It's a California roll. Yeah, yeah. We're a, that that show was a California roll. Absolutely correct. Still good. Still good. You know. I mean, I'm I'm not going to turn it down. But yes, it's it's the it's not sushi. No, no. Right, right. It's <laughs> this was a sweetened. Uh, this is this is the difference between the British office and the US office, right? Like that's this is what we got was Pam and Jim, right? We got Pam and Jim. Uh where Tokyo we got we got Dennis Bryant. <laughs> David. Did I say David? David? Did I say Dennis? I oh, fuck me. <laughs> The whole thing's ruined. I ruined that whole that whole bit is ruined. Uh, I delete the whole podcast. I'm telling you right now, Joel. I got to go get medically checked because I think my brain. I think I'm. I think I think by tomorrow I'm going to be that celery stalk. I'm going to be it. Uh, I'm not sure you're going to survive our uh, preview of um, Lek presents NJPW Strong Independence Day, but we're going to persist with it all the same. Uh, this will be Tuesday, Wednesday in Korakuen Hall. So. Uh, kickoff match, we've got Oscar Loiba, Yo, and Yusuke Taguchi against a bunch of Freedoms Juniors, uh, Takahiro, K- 
Katori, Dragon, Libra, and Kengo. Um, I don't even know if that's going to make tape, so I'm not going to preview that. First match will be the DKC versus Badu Tito. Second match, we have Ryohei Oiwa, Alex Zane, and Lance Archer against Jarrell Nelson, Royce Isaacs, and JR Kratos. Third match, Kosei Fujita versus Tom Lawler. I mean, do, do I want to pause and give any analysis and predictions? I mean, I'll tell you what, I'll do that for the, the, the business end of the okay. part, so I'm going to keep going because these are kind of nothing matches, really. Right. Fun, you know, I like it. I'm excited to see these guys, happy to see them. I'm sure the matches will be good, but I don't think there's really much point in me giving an analysis or prediction for it. This is, you know, your favourite guys from New Japan Strong, but now they're in Japan. Right. Yay. Right. Uh, fourth match, we've got Rocky and Eddie Kingston against Ghetto and Kenta. Fifth match, this one's interesting. We've got uh, Willow Nightingale and Momo Kogo, who wrestled each other. Did they wrestle each other at the last US show? I think that they did. Um, did they? Yes, they did. So, yeah, they're, they're teaming up now. So, you know, they've earned each other's respect uh, against the team of Tekla and Julia. And we'll, I'll talk a bit more about them for the Wednesday show preview because we've got a, quite a big singles match there. Then sixth match, uh, business end of the card here. We've got strong openweight tag team championship match. We have Bishamon, Yoshihashi and Hiroki Goto defending against the Bullet Club team, Gabe Kidd and Alex Coughlin. So mm -hmm. the caveat to this being they will be wrestling each other again on the Wednesday. But Tuesday is for the strong tag titles. Wednesday is for the IWGP tag titles. Mm -hmm. So... Who do you think wins? Who, who's walking away on Wednesday with each set of belts? Great question. Would it be... I don't think we're having uh, double-dipping champions. One's walking away with one and one's walking away with the other. Um, and this one's saying, hey, what do you want from me? Um, oh, I I mean, this would be a hell of a ballsy move to have yeah. uh, Coughlin and kids take both away wouldn't it what a statement that would be yeah that i would agree i would agree i think logic dictates that they walk away the bull club team walks away with the strong titles but boy would i love to see a nice little title change here with the uh with the big boy belts that'd be nice uh but i think it's going to be split and i think uh that, that's that's where that's going to sit. Uh, yeah, I like that logic. I mean, I could see uh, Coglin and Kids sort of running roughshod for the US-based shows. That could be, you know, their, their stomping ground. So uh, very excited for the matches, actually. Like, we have not seen Kid and Coglin in prominent tag matches since they wrestled in World Tag League, and that was under a very different dynamic. So uh, I really think in front of a hot Korakuen crowd, they're going to be going all out with a point to prove. So I'm very excited for these matches. I think they're going to be good. And a big challenge for them to put on two matches, two nights back to back and try and do something different and interesting. Like I'll be interested to see how match two plays off of match one. Right. You know, are they going to be sort of playing into things that happen and sort of subverting little moments and tropes and whatever. So um, very, very bold booking. I like it. Um, it's, it's, I don't often see stuff like that from New Japan. Uh, seventh match then, back to the Tuesday. This is the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Championship match with the champions, Catch 2-2, Akira and TJP defending against the challengers, Clark Connors and Driller Maloney. So do you think we see both Bullet Club teams walking away with Tag Team Gold or do you think Catch 2-2 successfully defends? 
Uh, I'm gonna. I, I think again. I always try to say, okay, if there's a title change, it probably won't be another one. You know. Um, so I'll say no title change. I think a, a successful defense will happen. But um, once again, I would not be surprised on these shows where it's a bullet club sweep. And the uh, I think catch two two are probably going to differ in there. I just yeah. I don't know. Yes, it's a bit, a bit of a coin flip, really, but uh, I like Catch D2, yep. so, yeah. Uh, main event, then, is an exciting encounter doomsday no-DQ match with Jun Kasai and El Desperado versus Homicide and John Moxley. I think it doesn't really matter who wins this, um, but my prediction is there will be blood. Do you think so? You think so? <laughs> you think there might be blood on this match? Uh, yeah. Imagine someone gets cut and then the referee like rushes in and <laughs> it's like, right, Matt, no, stop. <laughs> right, right. Uh, yeah, I think that's a safe bet uh, that there will be some blood. Uh, which, look, I know we have fans of the uh, death matches, and I must say that while I can take them in limited doses, I think this will be great. I think this this will be an absolute fucking train wreck, um, and a fun train wreck. Uh, like, like Eddie Kingston. Trust me, there's going to be a moment where Eddie Kingston and Homicide are going to be lacing up their boots backstage at Corken Hall. And they're going to look at each other. And they're going to say, boy, this is a long way from Jersey All-Pro, isn't it? Like, this is a long way from where we came. And both of us in this locker room, we're going to go put on a fucking show. Uh, and I think that's that'll happen. And, you know, Moxley, he's... A lunatic. He'll he's he's going to do some nutty shit, and then you might have the nuttiest of them all, the king of death matches. Uh, I think I think it'll be fun. It'll be exciting. It won't be boring. Um, there will be walking brawls, I'm sure, but uh, I think they're going to do their best to put on a, a an incredibly entertaining bloodbath style match. I just like to imagine. Moxley pitching this trip, this work trip, this business yeah. trip to Japan to his his lovely wife Renee. I know. <laughs> so uh, what's what what the match is planned, John? Nothing, nothing too dangerous. Ah, it's first night, it's just just a tag match. Ah, okay, all right, that's good. Right. What what about night two? Uh, I've got a singles match there. Oh yeah, who's uh, what what? Just a just straight singles match. Ah, uh, final death. Sorry, <laughs> it's a final death match. Right. Yeah, <laughs> this is the, the yeah the uh, the Wednesday main event, the ninth match, uh, El Desperado versus John Moxley. It just says ninth match, sixty minute limit, final death. Well, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's got to be an end somewhere, right? Uh, yeah, I uh, look. They're gonna go and they're gonna be wacky, and and we know Despy. Boy, he has this side of him that really kind of thrives in this environment. So, uh, once again, I think this will be great. Um, and I think what this will do is this will help cement, if there are any doubts, that given the opportunity, El Desperado is is not only wacky, but like 
so entertainingly talented and willing to do shit that you would not expect. And like, he's never going to be able to do this type of match. And I say on a new Japan card, I mean, obviously this is a new Japan card, but we know it's not like a, you know, <laughs> you say that David. It's, it's, it's a bit weird having a new Japan show headlined by two non new Japan. wrestlers, yeah. Isn't it? Well, I mean, look, it's, I, I, look, uh, it's a weird time we live in, right? It's a weird day. It's a weird time. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is going to be without question. Uh, it, at the very least, it might not be the greatest thing you've ever seen, but people who see this will be talking about this match and, and, and it will get a buzz. I have no doubt. Yeah. Uh, absolute sicko hours from uh, both of these guys, I'm sure. Uh, then the eighth match, I'm you know, working in reverse order for the Wednesday show because that's that's what I want to do. I've decided that's what we're like doing. Uh, we have the strong openweight championship match with the champion Kenta defending against the challenger Eddie Kingston. Uh, I would say this, name something that New Japan love doing more than putting one of their singles titles on an outsider who's not going to defend it for six months. <laughs> you can't. That's their favorite thing. They bloody love doing that. So whilst it makes all the sense in the world for Kenta to get a nice uh, defense in here before the G1, uh, Eddie Kingston's probably winning this, uh, never to defend it again. I, uh, You know what? I would not be surprised at all. You're, you're, you're probably right uh, because you are uh, accurate in, in your statement. New Japan loves to do this. Uh, so... Yeah, let's let's ride that out. Let's 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 keep that streak going and uh, have Eddie wearing some some New Japan gold. Uh, seventh match will be the uh, Bishamon War Dogs uh, IWGP Tag Team Championship match, which we've already discussed. Sixth match is an interesting one: Strong Women's Championship match. This is uh, William Nightingale, who obviously wasn't supposed to be the championship holder. I believe that was an audible called when uh, it turned, transpired that Mercedes Monet had uh, broken her ankle uh, against the challenger, Julia, who I'm led to understand is quite a big star in stardom. So this, again, um, the New Japan sort of uh, masochistic desire to put their belts on outsiders who don't work for them, um, perversion notwithstanding, it would seem like a good course correction here to have Julia win the strong women's championship belt and then have a, what I think would be a really big match down the line with Julia against Mercedes Monet, whether you would run that in the States or run that in Japan, I think both would be equally appealing to me, but that I think would be a very cool and exciting direction for this title. Am I seeing to think that this match has the possibility, possibility, of, all right, I'll go all the way. Stealing the show? Um, I think if we're looking at sort of a pure one-on-one wrestling match, then, yeah, uh, Despy Moxley is not going to be that. No. And Kenta Eddie is <laughs> not going to be that either. So I think, yeah, if we're looking sort of pure wrestling, this this could be the best one. I don't think it's going to upstage uh, El Desperado versus John Moxley right. in final death. Uh, no, but uh, I think it has a very good chance of 
what what would be one below stealing the show, borrowing the show, <laughs> running halfway down the street with the show, and then getting apprehended by security. Look, I think uh, the the spectacle of the pro wrestling match with a main event is absolutely there. I, they're walking away with that trophy, no doubt. But I think that like when it's all said and done, we might be sitting here saying that was the best match. Like like that title defense was was in ring wise the best match. Uh I'm I'm here for it. I'm here for it. I think there's you know there's stuff on the line. I think the uh, the uh, young ladies are are you, you don't think they're excited <laughs> you know you know working this venue for this title on you know on this, on this show uh i think i think they're they're jacked they're ready uh to put on a great show and i think they i i would not be surprised if they do have a little bit of a chip on their shoulder to say okay we're going out there and 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 stealing the show so uh you know if you're a if you're a betting person you're looking for match of the night might not have the best odds right now, but I'd put a little money on that. I sure would. Uh, fifth match. We've got DKC Ishii and Tanahashi against Jarrell Nelson, Royce Isaacs and Tom Lawler. Uh, fourth match, Alex Zane and Lance Archer against Kosei Fujita and Bad Duke Tito. Third match, Rocky Romero and Yo against Clark Connors and Driller Maloney. Second match, Ryohei Oiwa and Homicide against Akira and TJP. So interesting that both the participants in the previous day's junior tag match have got follow-up matches here against different opponents. And then the first match would be Oscar Loiber versus Jack Kratos. And then we've got the kickoff match with uh, Oleg Bolton, Master Wato and Ryusuke Taguchi against the Freedom's Weirdos. So uh, that is Independence Day. This is pay-per-view. Um, I understand a lot of people are, well, and you as well, obviously, <laughs> upset by this. I, You know, I'm going to speak in defense of the pay-per-view stuff, right? New Japan needs to make money back. They obviously lost a lot during the pandemic. And it's not like they are putting, usually, they're, they're not putting shows behind paywall that would have normally been on World for Free. Yet. These are extra shows. Yes, if they start doing that, if they're locking like you know New Beginning or G One or Dominion or whatever, if they start putting that on pay per view, then I will call bullshit on that. But I, I'm going to give them a pass and say these are extra shows and um, defend their right to put them on pay per view. I mean, they can do what they want. Uh, I don't have to like it, <laughs> um, and I think it's. But are you going to buy it? Are you going to put your hand in your wallet? And pay for these shows. Well, it is a holiday weekend uh, as we celebrate our independence. <sighs> uh, I, I, I honestly, I, I don't know. I don't know because while there is interest in a lot of these guys, first time in Cork and maybe, um, and the, these main events uh, are to me. Worthy. Um, I mean, listen. If somebody wanted to throw me a code, I I, I wouldn't reject it. <laughs> I wanted to toss one my way. Uh, is, where, where, where is it? Is it Fight TV? Uh, I assume so. I'm not sure actually. Okay. Let's have a look on the old Please. Fight TV. And let me know how much it is. 
if you could. Okay. Uh, I'm having to scroll quite far oh before any YouTube news is turning up. <laughs> okay, so maybe it's not on fight. Yeah. Where is it? How does a human being it. watch this show? Right, let me search NJPW. No. no. Where is it? No. Is it on Samurai? Maybe it's on Samurai TV. I mean, I, I, I do have a way to get that. Uh, let me open up New Japan World. Mm. I mean, you can order it from New Japan World. It's approximately $30. Oh, for each show? That's for both days. No, no, oh, no. For both. both? All right. It's not too bad, but then... I'm going to tell you the truth. I think probably we'll, not. we'll put the red circle money towards that. Yeah. Do we have any red circle money? I think I spent mine already. <laughs> <laughs> I think I had to pay the long guy. Uh, I think I said where that went. Um, I don't know. I'm going to give you a solid. I don't know. Because, again, it's can you watch replays? Can I ask that? Because I don't, I don't see me waking up at 2 o'clock in the morning to watch this. Yeah. Well, I'm sure you All can. Right. All right. We'll see. You know, listen. There's, there's three letters that I'm pretty familiar with, too, that uh, I might be able to see. <laughs> if you know what I'm saying. All right. Uh, all right. Uh, just two quick questions. Multiverse A says, are these strong in Japan shows going to be yearly like Fantastic Mania, or are these just special events for 2023 and we'll see the strong guys on regular tours moving forward? I would say that depends on how much money they yeah. make. If they're a success, if, every, if the tickets sell out and if they do good numbers on pay-per-view, I dare say they will do more of it. Yep. Uh, follow the money. Follow the money. That's that's your answer. Follow the money. Uh, uh, Daryl says, what is NJPW strong after these shows? Is it a promotion still? Is it a dojo still? Is it just performers labeled strong appearing on indies and allied promotions? Yeah, it's a pretty nebulous term at this point. Yeah. I think any stateside shows that they do are under the strong umbrella, the strong label. And then when they bring large chunks of that crew over, then they can use that. Um, branding to squeeze more money out of people as they're doing uh, this week. So, yes, I think the, the strong label, I think it's pretty straightforward what it is in terms of the US shows. But uh, in Japan, I think this is sort of dipping your toes in the water as to what value the strong brand has in Japan. Right. Right. I mean, it's just, it's, uh, it's a label at this point, right? It's just a, I wouldn't even call it a brand. It's a label. Um, and yeah, they're testing waters. Uh, all right, that'll do it for today. Uh, redcircle.com forward slash shows forward slash super dash J dash cast. If you want to give us some money that we can use to buy this fine pay per view <laughs> and definitely not do the three letter thing, <laughs> uh, Discord link, you can get that by sending me a direct message on Twitter. It is great. I love our Discord. You know, we've raised over a thousand dollars for um, a, a wonderful course. So, um, if you want to join that community, um, you can send me a direct message on Twitter, but you have to be cool. Uh, I will not accept any dickheads into the mix there because it's, uh, I think, a really, really nice group uh, that Booze has helped cultivate there with her wonderful skills. Um, at Cobra Kawaii and ProWrestlingTees.com for slash SuperJCast if you want to get one of our T-shirts. I believe there is some sort of promotion running. They got an email from the PWT marketing team. He says, um, on the... Fourth of there's a uh, okay so this is between July the third mm -hmm. and July the seventh. 
there is a 4th of July sale, you can save 20% on ProSNTs.com. Use the code AMERICA23, and you also get free USA shipping on orders over $150. So if you have not bought one of our T-shirts... No excuse. Or if you have one, get another one. Yeah. Get a spare for if one of them's in the wash. Yeah. Uh, go Trust to me, they, 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 they will shrink. <laughs> Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> They are not the best quality. You might need another one. <laughs> Just as well, you're getting the discount. Uh, ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash SuperJCast and use code America23. Uh, big thanks to Editor Dan. Find him on Twitter at LousyHero219. Subscribe to the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network for other great shows. <laughs> I was going to say something. I'm not going to say what? it. Say it, say it. State review. <laughs> No, I think I've already thrown enough uh, thinly veiled jabs at um, <laughs> other podcasts. <laughs> I and we're not. Follow us on Twitter at the Super Jcast. Thank you, everybody, for listening, and goodbye. Cheering at pro wrestling shows in Japan is back, and 2023 is already shaping up to be a big year in the history of pro res. That's why you should listen to the Emerald Flow Show. From the Royal Road to the Green Mat, Paul and Gerard take you into the world of All Japan Pro Wrestling and Pro Wrestling Noah. Not only do we analyze events, but we examine business, who is getting over, what angles are working, or not. Occasionally, we take a look at other Japanese promotions like DDT and Zero One. So if you're looking for more coverage of the world of Japanese wrestling, check out the Emerald Flow Show on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network, available on all of your favorite podcast apps.